paintings that she has done in the past and she's put them all together to create a new piece and has created uh, order out of the chaos of all these different pieces. And in the story of Noah, we've got this similar idea going on that God is doing something with some of the bits that are left over from the old creation and bringing them into something new. He is bringing a new order to what was chaotic, that mankind has um, let go of um, where he should be, that we lost sight of our identity and we started making it about ourselves rather than about God. And what we get is ordered, uh, and what we get is get chaos in the midst of what God's hope is for us, which is his order of his original design for our life. The story of Noah is God taking that place of chaos and reworking it into a new creation. And if you read the story of Noah, and we'll see this next week when we look at this again in chapter 9, when you read through the story, it reads like Genesis 2. It reads like the creation story. And often Noah is called the third creation story in the Bible because God is recreating, it kind of echoes Genesis 2 and 3 as to what God did there. There's this resetting, this recalibrating, bringing a new order to the chaos that had been there in the world. As we get to our reading today in chapter 8, as we get to chapter 8, what we see is the fact that it starts with God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. We still saw last week how Noah gets in the boat and God says, come, come to where I am. Come and be present with me where I am. He, God calls him into the boat to come and be where he is. And the waters start to rise and they've got higher and higher. The rain's been falling. It says that God opens up the caverns of the deep and water spurts out onto the earth. Everywhere is water. The boat is going up and down, up and down. And in the midst of it, the words that we find God saying is, and God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. That in the chaos you might be experiencing, in the place where everything feels uncertain, the promise of God to you today is God has not forgotten you. You are not forgotten. God remembered Noah. And you see this phrase of God remembered dot, 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 so many times in the bible you see this with um jacob when he's in prison it says and god remembered jacob you see it with the story of rachel where it says god remembered rachel this phrase comes up time and time again in the scriptures as a way of saying in the midst of all the uncertainty god's still present in the story god never left he's still there and you can read this in two ways you can read this as up until that point, God had forgotten them and they suddenly went, oh yes, Noah's in the boat. Or you can read it how it's meant in the story of God is still present in the midst of what is going on. And what you see in the writing of this story, as so often is the case with Jewish writing, is it forms in a particular way. It's written in a particular way to demonstrate something about who God is. So in this story, it starts with Noah entering the boat. And we looked at this last week of God saying, come into the boat. God's invitation to be where he is. Then 
the waters rise and in the midst of the story it says God remembered Noah and then what we see in chapter 8 which we've just read today in verse 16 God says to Noah come out of the ark and it's the same phrase that's used at the beginning as at the end God says at the beginning come to where I am come into the place of safety where I am then the storm happens and in the midst of that God says I've not forgotten you I've still remembered you and at the end of the end of the ark time God says come out of the ark God say I've got a new path for you I've got somewhere new to lead you to now there's this constant sense of God leading and guiding through this whole process let me just put the screen back up and just let me show you that again so we see in chapter 7 verse 1 God says come into the ark the storm rages and in the midst of that storm God says I remember you and then after verse 1 we start seeing the receding of the waters and at the very end when all the waters have gone God says come out of the ark into the new story I've got for you there's this kind of echoing of uh, 7 1 and 8 16 and in the middle of that is sandwiched and God remembered Noah he hasn't forgotten Noah it's so easy isn't it to follow God into things to keep going with God and then the waters get higher and higher and higher they get more and more choppy and we kind of then lose heart and God's promise to us is I've not left you I told you I was with you at the beginning I'll be with you at the end and I'm with you in the middle I've remembered you I haven't forgotten I always find it funny in the story of Noah because when you hear it as a child in sort of Sunday school, it's they get onto the ark, it rains for 40 days and 40 nights, and then they come out of the ark again. And you forget that in the story, they're, on, they're in the ark for ages. Well over half a year, they're in the ark. It's a long old time. And it rains for 40 days and 40 nights, and it's probably quite stormy. And they kind of ease off a bit. And what we often find is that we find ourselves in a place where when something first happens, we kind of are in the mix of it and kind of we can hold on to God and go, yes, God, I know you're with me in the storm. But actually, as it gets a bit longer and a bit more tedious and the waiting continues, we find ourselves in that place of being, God, where are you? Are you still in this? Are you still there? And the promise to Noah is God remembered Noah. And what I want to say to you this morning is this. afternoon this afternoon even not this morning this afternoon (laughs) is this that in the chaos god brings order and the writer of genesis tries to show you this i'm going to show you the next slide which shows you again this echoing of what god does up on the screen you can see the writing of this passage is written in a way that puts god remembers noah at the centerpiece of this story it talks about the seven days of waiting and it talks about seven more days of rain and 40 days of, of uh, rain coming on the earth and 150 days in the boat and there's this echoing this kind of pattern of saying even in the midst of chaos there is still a god of order there is still a god you can cling to who's got a plan it doesn't matter how much it seems chaotic god's got a plan And the writer of Genesis is trying to explain to us and tell us the fact that God is in this. 
God's in the midst. And when you cling to him, there is an order that you can find even in the chaos of life. That God's got a plan. God's presence brings order in the chaos. That when we know that God is with us, when we know that God's remembered us, there is an order, there is an anchor, there is a hope we can cling to which brings order into the chaos. It might seem like things are just really chaotic, but actually God's got a plan. God's got an order. God knows what he's doing. God is still in control. Even when everything around us is raging, God remembers you. God remembers me. God's presence brings order to the chaos. As we then read through this story, what we see is Noah, in the midst of this chaos, he starts sending out birds from the boat. It says that he opens a window and he first lets out a raven and the raven goes and flies off. And then he lets out a dove who flies off and comes back with an olive branch in his, in his beak. And then lastly, the, uh, he sends out the dove again and the dove flies off and doesn't come back. We see this staging and this process of Noah coming to terms with his situation. He's trying to work out what does this situation look like? He's sending these birds out going, has it, has it receded yet? Are things changing yet? Is, is it different now? Or is it not different? I'm not sure whether, do I stay in isolation? Do I not stay in isolation? What do I do? The questions we find ourselves asking ourselves right now is, do I go out? Can I see friends? Can I not see friends? Can I see one friend or several friends or in the garden? Or where do I go? How do I do this? We ask these questions of what's next? What's now? How's the process of this going through? When we look at science, we see that there are stages that people go through as they face disasters and the trauma associated with that. So let me begin to put on screen for you. If things like diagrams aren't your thing, don't worry, I'll simplify it in a moment. But this is a, a common diagram that's used in uh, disaster understandings and of trauma response of how people process through situations that they go through. And you might identify with some of this as we look at this. It starts off with a sudden impact of what's happened. And when something suddenly happens to us, initially and you'll you might remember seeing this we go into the heroic phase we all band together and we start doing positive things to try and help the situation that was where we all started clubbing together to start making sure that people were okay getting shopping for people who um, weren't able to get out where we started dropping things around to each other uh, phoning each other making sure people were okay and helping each other clapping for carers we moved to this heroic phase of going we face trauma the adrenaline starts rushing and we go into the heroic phase. We kind of deal with the current crisis. We kind of go, we're going to get through this. We're on this. But then as it starts to go on and on and on, you might have found yourself in this place of getting a bit disillusioned. And actually suddenly it's getting, you're going, oh, it's, it was going to be 12 weeks. And now it feels like it's going to might be, 14 weeks or 15 weeks or even maybe half a year or we're not sure and every time you read the news you hear a different story of is it going to be this or is it going to be this and the disillusionment comes into being and you find yourself in a place going what is going on and for Noah 
he's heard God speak and the waters have come crashing around him. He's in this boat and then suddenly he's, just, he's sitting there for 150 days just going, what's going on? Will we ever get out of this? Will the waters ever recede? Will anything ever change? His new normal has become a place which is disillusionment. And it's the place where we find ourselves with our emotions going up and down, where one minute we feel fine, next minute we feel at rock bottom, where we're not quite sure how to feel or what to do. And some days we feel on top of the world and other days we find ourselves just feeling like the world's about to end. That's normal. We've been in this process a long time and it's difficult. No one knew that. And he kept putting out the birds to test what was going on, to see what was going on. And it didn't seem to be changing. And that was frustrating. But there then comes a point where we start getting used to what life is like. And we start to rebuild and lockdown is eased. And we start working out what it looks like. We start coming out of that. And we start rebuilding a new way of life, a new way of being. There's these different stages that we go through that's recognised as we try and deal with the trauma of what we've all been through. And maybe trauma seems a, a strong word to use, but actually it's, it's true. We are, have all been traumatised by this weird experience that we've had together, where it's caused us to think about things in different ways and in, in new ways. But as we look at what we can learn from science about responses to transition and change, I want to show you another a diagram. And again, if diagrams aren't your thing, don't worry. It'll make sense in the moment. And this diagram is a diagram that shows the emotional um, ups and downs that you go through when you experience transition. That when you go through a place of change in your life, this is kind of the ups and downs and the things you're going to experience. And it comes in three stages. The first stage is letting go, where you go through the place of, anger and denial about how things are different and you don't want them to be different you don't want to let go of those old ways of doing stuff and we feel quite angry and quite frustrated and quite anxious about everything and then we kind of move into a new zone of kind of the neutral zone where we've left the old but we're not quite into the new yet we kind of find ourselves in the waiting on the boats just going up and down up and down and it feels like nothing seems to be changing we kind of go through places of fear and frustration but then into curiosity and wonder about what the new could look like and we feel uncertain again and it's kind of an up and down motion like the boats that Noah is in and eventually as we look into next week into chapter nine we'll see how there's then suddenly this experience of the new beginning of something of how something new takes flight and comes to be so when we look at the story of Noah what we see is he three times lets out a bird out of the ark. The first time it's a raven. And that raven doesn't come back. He has to let go of something of the past. He lets go of it and it never comes back. There are things that will be different always from now on, whether we like it or not. Things that we used to enjoy, things that we, uh, ways of doing things that we were happy with that no longer will be the case. And what we learn from Noah is that he lets go of the raven and it never comes back. He lets go of it. We have to learn in this process that there's going to be things we have to let go of. Next, he sends out the dove and the dove comes back to him with an olive branch. And Noah's probably thinking, does that mean the waters have gone down? 
or completely or, or not. I'm not quite sure. There's kind of a bit of hope, but also a frustration, uh, uncertainty. It's that kind of middle stage, that neutral stage, that neutral zone of feeling uncertain about what the future might hold, but also a bit of hope as well in the midst of that going, oh, there might be something new here. There's some creativity, some curiosity about the future. And lastly, when Noah lets the dove go again, the bird takes flight and never comes back. And this time it's because it's taken flight into the new world that is there for it. Noah goes through this process of transition from having to let go of the past, then experiencing the curiosity and the uncertainty of the unknowing of the bird with the olive branch in his beak, to then letting the dove go and the dove finding somewhere else to go and be, a new way of life. We are all going through a place of transition right now. In our own personal lives, maybe in your work life, in your family life, and as us as a church, there are things that we used to in the past that we need to let go of. There's things right now we're not quite sure how it might look. And at some point we'll get to a new beginning where, we'll, where something new will take flight. We're in that uncertainty, like Noah, in the ups and the downs, not quite sure what that might look like. But what we have is the hope that God is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. That in the letting go, God is present. In the uncertainty, God is present. In the future, God is present with us. God is the same yesterday, today and forever. So as we face the challenges and the emotional ups and downs of transition, God is the same. God says, follow me into the ark. I haven't forgotten you. I'm with you when you come out of the ark. I'm with you as you go in. I'm with you when you're in the middle of it. And I'm with you when you come out. When you let go, when you're uncertain, and when you find the new beginning. I am the same yesterday, today, and always. When Noah does come out of the boat, the first thing he does is worship. When he finds himself on that new dry ground, the first thing he does, it says in the, in the scriptures, is he builds an altar and he sacrifices some of the animals to God. Have you ever wondered why there's seven pairs of clean animals in the story? Because some of those animals were taken on the ark for the express purpose of being sacrificed as an action of worship to God. We looked a few weeks ago at the idea of you can't take everything with you into the new. And there'll be things that maybe we kind of have been holding on to even this time thinking oh it'll be all right though it'll be okay i can still keep that going i can keep, i can carry that into the into this next season but actually when you get to that next season actually even though it is good even though it's a perfect animal if it's a good thing it might be time to put it to death it might be time to sacrifice it as an action of worship to let go we love beginnings we love middles we don't like endings. But at the end of this passage, it talks about seasons. God promises there are seasons of beginnings and ends. There's night and there's day. There's springtime, there's harvest. As we think about church going forwards, we've got a big task on our hand as to how we think about how we're going to come out of lockdown. What's church going to look like for us? What's our new 
way of doing church going to look like? Because it can't look like it did before. And the uncertainty right now, we don't know what it's going to look like. But how we get from the uncertainty to the place of new beginnings is worship. The first thing Noah does is Noah worships. Excuse me. (coughs) Before the new creation takes place, Noah worships and then God speaks. And for us, the process that I feel that as we need to go on as a church is lay everything down. Assume that nothing will continue. Assume that nothing will be the same. Even though it's been good and perfect and brilliant, we need to assume that we need to lay everything down to start with in worship and say, God, we lay everything down in worship until we hear your voice, until we hear your promise, until we hear you speak. And so I feel, and we were talking about this at leadership team, we feel that actually going forward, we need to be prepared to lay everything down and start from scratch. And we start from a place of worshipping God, praying to God and seeking him for his voice and only picking up what he asks us to do. And that will be painful and that will be really hard. And I'm going to say something quite hard right now is if you're sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, that ministry over there, that that might need to shut, but mine's fine. No, everything shuts. Everything stops. We only pick things up at the point which God says, yes go for it and that's painful that's sacrificial but you know what it's also worship because it's saying god your will be done not my will be done so i want to encourage you as a church if you're at the church meeting thank you and you might heard me say something this already i want to encourage you to be really praying into what the future of ybc looks like what it looks like for us and it will look different for us to it will to other churches because God's interested in us as a community. But it'd be so easy to run and jump into doing X, Y, and Z as we come out of lockdown. But you know what? Noah doesn't jump into anything but worship, worship and prayer. And when he hears God's voice, that's the point at which the new creation takes place. Endings are hard, but laying things down is an action of worship that honours God and then God's voice will speak to us. God loves it when we say, God, your will, not our will be done. And I really feel, and talking to other church leaders around the nation, we really feel that the church going forward in the UK and worldwide as well is going to look different. It's not going to be based upon programmes of lots and lots of stuff happening. It's going to be much more based upon what's going on in you and your call and your mission to serve Jesus. We don't know what the new normal will look like, but it won't look the same as the past. We've got to let let go of the raven and embrace the dove's olive branch of going, God, I hold on to your hope and your promise. And even though I'm not sure what it will look like yet, I hold on to there is hope. Noah worships God. He lays everything down, even though it's good and it's perfect. It's a perfect animal. He lays it down until God speaks. That's going to be really hard. It's going to be difficult for us. So please, as a church, be praying and seeking God, worshipping him and saying, God, 
what does uh, the future of our corporate lives together as YBC look like? What does it mean for our community to move forwards? How do I let go of the old mentalities of how I've done church before and seek to find a new way of seeking after you? God is in it all. In the midst of all the chaos, God brings order and anchor point where it's difficult. God is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. He's in every stage of this. He's in the beginnings. He's in the end. He's in the middles. God's in all of it. And all of it is good. God says that there are seasons of life, springtime and harvest. Ends are as much a part of God's creation as beginnings. But the church has been really, really bad at ending stuff. We've been forced to end everything. What new things will we let God grow? Let's lay everything down. It is an action of worship, a willful surrender, and say, God, your will be done, not my will be done. And let's see what God's new creation will look like in us, in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in the midst of the chaos, you have got a plan, that you are with us, you invite us into the place of safety of the ark. Lord, you remind us that you are with us, that you haven't forgotten us, that you are with us, and that, Lord, you'll bring us out into safety. Lord, thank you as we look at Noah's process of having to let go and having to seek the new and be uncertain about what's going on in the ups and downs of life. Lord, thank you that it's okay when we feel disillusioned. Thank you it's okay when we feel heroic. Lord, thank you it's okay when we aren't sure what the future might hold but lord we cling to that olive branch hope that you are doing a new thing and so lord we cling to those words from isaiah of forget the former things do not dwell on the past see i am doing a new thing now it springs up do you not perceive it i am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland Lord, we thank you that you are doing new things. And Lord, we want to have open hearts and lives surrendered to you that allow us to hear your voice speak the new creation over us. So Lord, bless us, I pray as a community. In Christ's name, amen.